not. Is everybody full on turkey? Yeah. Everybody have plenty of tryptopan? Is that the name of it? Makes you go to sleep after you eat turkey? One Thanksgiving, and it gets quiet in here. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, we're not having that. Do you know that? Oh, man. That makes me want to preach against, against that. <laughs> All right. So, good morning. Are you alive? You made it through Thanksgiving? Good. Amen. You know, I said last week, this means amen. amen. You, you still don't have to do it light because you know the second one's coming, right? You got it. This means amen. amen. This is a loud amen. amen. All right. And I added one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Loud. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's good. You know, sometimes it's very important for us to realize that we need to stretch out and grab a hold of something. Faith, uh, faith. if you're going to be operating in faith, which faith overcomes the world, then what you have to do is you have to understand that faith without works or faith without action is dead. So what is the corresponding action of faith? The corresponding action of faith is to reach out on that belief. You know, I just talked about it last week. Uh, Priscilla's traveling uh, this week uh, to go be with her family in Texas. But I, I gave that, uh, I gave some money to Priscilla and I said, what if I just gave you a check for a million dollars? How would you respond? And y'all remember at first she was like, oh, hallelujah. No, if I gave you a check for a million dollars, how would you respond? Uh, there would be a party in here. That's a corresponding belief that something just transferred. Yeah. Something transferred and there's a corresponding action. How many people are not going to hell? Do I have believers in here? You're not going to hell? Then what's your corresponding action? Amen. You've got to learn how to speak. Listen, God is a speaking spirit and you were made in his image and likeness. You've got to learn how to reach out and grab a hold of stuff yourself. Otherwise, the devil's going to run all over you. Yeah, I said it. If you don't learn how to open your mouth and reach out and praise God and grab a hold of things with your prayers and with your testimony, he's going to run all over you. Think about this. Revelation 12, 11, we just finished the series on overcoming. It says, we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What does that mean? That means we've got to do some speaking. We've got to speak. What is the testimony? What's the promise of God in our lives? What does God have for us? We've got to learn how to speak. Let me give you an idea of this. Uh, when I was little, up until I was an adult, really, up until I was an adult, uh, I used to say, I, here, here's what I thought praying was. <laughs> Amen. 
And I thought that was praying because I thought if I thought it in my head, if I thought thoughts towards the Lord in my head, that was praying. But I didn't realize whose image I was made in. I didn't realize how important those words are. We must speak. He says, look, if you don't praise, he doesn't say the rocks will, the rocks will sit there and worship in silence. No, he says the rocks will cry out. We've got to learn how to... Amen. We've got to learn how to... We've got to learn how to... We've got to learn how to... That's right. You go to a ball game. Listen, every single one of them. We went to the hockey game last night. We had a good time. Uh, the checkers didn't have so great of a time. Except for that one guy that got in a fight. He fought pretty good. And uh, that was one of the first fights I've seen the checkers win. And, uh, but he did pretty good. But the game, not so great. And, you know, getting the puck in the net, not so great. If we go back to watch the checkers play again, we're going to have to pray for them, you know. And uh, they won the whole championship last year. But what happened, a lot of the people that were the talent on that team, they sent them up to the Hurricanes, up to the NHL. So now they're rebuilding this year. It, it makes sense. But... Man, I don't like going there and the home team losing. I just don't like that. And God, hey, my God is always leading me to triumph. Amen? <laughs> I, my God is always leading me to triumph. And I like winning. You should like winning. Amen? You should like being victorious. Why? Because that's in God's plans for you. That's in God's plans for you. Yeah. Is to be victorious. You mean I can go through life and I can be a winner? Yep. Yes, you can. Yep. Tell your neighbor, say, yep, yep. that's me. That's me. I'm, a I'm a winner. Amen. Amen. Especially when you don't feel like being a winner, that's when you need to speak it. Faith without works is dead. I'm going to look on the promise more than I'm going to look on my feelings. I'm going to look on the word more than I look on my feelings. I'm going to look on the character and nature of God more than I look on my feelings. But it was the most amazing thing. We get there last night. The checkers, not one puck had dropped. And yet the crowd was sitting there. And, and I was like, it put up on the screen at one point. Make some noise. And then they played a song that Amy said we can't play in church. And everybody was like, boom, boom, boom. And, and I said, now if you're going to do it here, you better do it in the sanctuary. You better be moving for Jesus, right? Now, you don't have to shake the hips quite as strong in the sanctuary. But you better be moving. You better be loud. People put on joy just because there was a chance that they could win. You've already won. Let me say that again. You've already won. You're not going to hell. If you've been born again, you're going to heaven. The battle's already won. It's yours. You got it. It's in your hands now. I expect at least one person to stand up or something, you know. (laughs) Amen. It's yours. You've won. You got to learn when it's raining outside or it's raining in life. That there's a new day dawning. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you know how many times that we've taken shots in the spirit? Man, it's like it's been constant ever since 2011 when we started the church. And even before that, but especially since we started the church. Man, the devil, you think he likes what we're doing, setting people free? 
We were talking last night, Miss Nancy and, and Nicole and I on the way home. One life changing. Do you know the ramifications of that throughout eternity? One life being on fire for God? One life. That person, let, let's say that just on the earth their life goes to a higher level. Is it worth it? Yeah. Do we know those ramifications? we got to learn that no matter what we face, that through Jesus we can go through. And he's already won the battle. He's already won, won the war. He's already won the victory. Yeah. He's always leading us to triumph. He's always making us an overcomer. He's always making us more than a conqueror in him. That's who we are. That's who you are. Do you know it? If you can't get loud, you don't know it. If you can't get loud, you don't know it. Now I'm telling you. If you can't get loud, you don't know it. Because what's happening is when you get a full revelation of who you are in Christ, you'll get loud. Nobody will be able to stop you. Do you, know why people, do you know why people don't tell anybody about Jesus? It's because they don't have a full revelation of what he's done. They received their blessing at some point, but they don't realize for eternity they're not going to be tortured now. For eternity they're going to be with the Father in heaven. For eternity they're going to be blessed. For eternity, they're going to be blessed. For eternity, they're going to be blessed. See, when you start meditating on that and getting a revelation of it, all of a sudden some things start to really stick out to you. And you can start getting loud. And you've got to find your voice of praise. He says, taking off the garment of weariness, the garment of heaviness, and put on a garment of praise, right? We've got to learn how to put it on on purpose, or else you're just going to get run over by the devil. And that's why so many Christians have. you got to learn how to get loud when it's gray outside. you got to learn how to get loud when it's gray in your spiritual life. you got to learn how to get loud when it's sun shining. you got to learn how to get loud when it's sun shining in your spiritual life, when it's sun shining in your finances, when it's gray in your finances. you got to learn how to get loud. When you're not feeling it, you got to learn how to get loud, how to put on praise. He says, I inhabit the praises of my people. you got to learn how to get loud on purpose. On purpose, be intentional, put it on. Do I have any people in here that are excited about the things of God? Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You got to get there in your spirit. You got to get there to where that place is. Well, that's just not me. Neither was the earth Jesus's. The earth was not his inheritance. His inheritance was the throne of God. His inheritance was the throne of God. And he said, I will leave my inheritance to go and bring salvation. See, in order to move into the places of salvation, you've got to go up to the place. Of godliness, where I know who I am in Christ. I know what he's done for me. I've got to learn how to get loud. I've got to learn how to move to that place of victory. Amen? Amen. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel. So many times I watch, and, and people, they're completely beat. 
in their mind because the, the devil will throw something at them. The Lord's saying something else, but the devil will throw something at them and they'll just, oh God, here we go. And they're completely beat up. They're completely beat up. And what they got to do, the word says this in, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, you got to th- take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. You've got to take that thought captive. You, you don't sit there and go, oh God, this stinks. Oh God, this is horrible. You don't sit there. No, you learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Hey, this thing may be coming against me. The enemy may come against me one way, but he's going to flee seven ways in Jesus' name. He may be coming against me, but God's going to rise up like a flood against the enemy. You've got to know that these scriptures you got to get in the word you got to encourage yourself no matter what you see and what you feel amen Amen. glory to God glory to God it doesn't matter what just happened doesn't matter what just happened it doesn't matter what just happened good or bad what matters is what's eternal his word his promises his character his nature amen doesn't matter what just happened His word, his character, his nature, his promises. That's what matters. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And then you learn to encourage yourself in it. You learn how to put on an amen. You learn how to put on a loud amen. You learn how to put on a hallelujah in the midst of a valley of the shadow of death. And all of a sudden you will go through. Because what happens is in the middle of that valley of the shadow of death, you start putting on praise. You start putting on a hallelujah. And here's what happens. You stick a standard in the ground. The banner of the Lord. And on the top of it is the light of God and in the middle of darkness light will start to shine and it will make the darkness flee and the word says darkness cannot overcome it all learn how to put on a praise Uh, uh, not too long ago uh, is Abigail in here or is she somewhere else okay good because I'm going to talk about her and uh, so not too long ago, my daughter, she, uh, she'd been sick for like, I don't know, three weeks or so. That thing just wouldn't break. It just wouldn't break. And then she was coughing and, and you could, you know, you could hear like fluid in her lungs and stuff like that. And I was like, man, and uh, I was, and the devil was trying, of course, what's the devil going to do in that situation? He's going to try and get you in fear. He started talking to me about all kinds of bad stuff and she's not going to make it through the night and stuff like this. I mean, he's trying to pile on. Anybody ever been there before? You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody know? Man, he started trying to pile on. What I do? I recognize, first of all, recognize the situation. Learn how to encourage yourself in the word. Listen, that is not, his word says, I know the plans for you to give you a future and a hope and not for calamity. He says this, turn this back a little bit, Kevin, turn it down a little bit. He said, he said this, he said, look, I don't have plans for calamity for you, for your life. This is a promise of God, but we've got to learn how to stand on it, right? And we've got to learn that no matter what happens, we can pull out of that death spin. We can pull out of that thing, but we've got to learn the right procedures to do it. 
And so in the middle of this, here comes fear. Here comes the attack. Here comes stuff. Here comes the depression. Here comes the weight. Here comes the bad phone calls. Here comes all that stuff. you got to learn how to grab yourself, pick yourself up by the bootstrap, and pull yourself up in the Word of God. And with God, you can do it. Now, in the natural, you can't. But with Jesus, with Jesus... In Him, I live and move and have my being. In Him. In Him. I said, I said, I started, it was uh, nighttime. We were already uh, in the bed or getting ready for bed. I started putting on my shoes. Nicole said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go talk to God. I'm going to go talk to God. I went outside. I went out on the back part of the yard, back part of the yard, and, and the Lord and I had a talk. And it wasn't getting on to God. No, it was just reminding him of his word and of his promise like he tells me to do. It was just me sitting out. Who's in authority over this house? Who's in authority over this family? It is me through the blood of Jesus Christ. You do not have a right here. You may, you, I might be in this world, but we are kept from the evil one. No plague will come near my dwelling. No, no evil will come near my house. No, we will advance the kingdom of God. By his stripes we were healed. In the name of Jesus and by his blood you will rise up tomorrow morning. The mercy of the Lord will be released. She got up the next day and it was like she was, she was feeling all better. Totally different situation. Why? Because you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Word. In the Word, you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to learn how to put on an amen. They can do it over in that stadium at one o'clock every Sunday. For a stupid team, a worldly team, has got all kinds of junk and problems thinking they've got the solution. You actually have the solution. You actually have an eternal solution right now. You've got it on the inside of you, and you've got to learn that no matter what I see, no matter what I face, I've got to learn how to jump up and be, glory to God, I'm the victor. I'm the victor. Because through Jesus you are. Through Jesus you are. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You getting it? You getting it? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so glad. Welcome. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Amen. Good morning. I think it's offering time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Gee whiz. God Almighty, we need your help. They need a joke. I got a joke for you. I got a joke for you. Go to, <laughs> go to Psalm. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 verse 1. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Against his Christ. Are you the body of Christ? Then you are also a part of his anointed. The rulers of the world take their stand. He, He tries to scare you into fear. He tries to get you in the place where you'll shut up. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4, here's your joke. And and he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. (laughs) The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs at all their plans, all that stuff they got going on, trying to rule the world, thinking they know something. God sits in heaven... And just belly rolled. <laughs> they think, they think that they've got this thing whipped. They don't even know which end is up. He laughs at them. That's the joke, the devil. And, and here's the thing we need to take some wisdom. We need to take some wisdom from the Lord. Why do you think he's laughing at the devil? I particularly think. That the devil hates that because he's such a prideful being. He hates to be laughed at. And so God just sits up in the heaven and he looks at the devil and just shakes his head. (laughs) Devil, you are such an idiot. You are so stupid. You are such an ignoramus. (laughs) I've already got this thing beat. I've already got it won. Ha! Couldn't we take a lesson from the Lord and start laughing at the problem Even if we don't know how it's going to work out yet. The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. The joke is the devil. Now he'll try all kinds of stuff. And we've been taught how to fall for it. But we need to to learn that he's the joke. And we need to learn that he's the joke. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that good enough joke? (laughs) Amen. Turn to Joshua. Joshua judges Ruth. (laughs) I'm going to start the offering in a second. That all that we've had already was free. (laughs) It wasn't even planned. Next Sunday, next Sunday, 4 p.m., Holy Spirit service. Let me look around. I see everybody who's here. Everybody. So I know you heard, next Sunday, 4 p.m., Holy Ghost service. You want to grow in the Lord? You need to be flowing in the Holy Ghost, and you need to have a time set aside that you say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm here to minister to you. I'm not worried about my appointment. Listen, don't don't come to Boomerang and set lunch at 1 o'clock, and definitely don't set it at noon. You're going to miss it if you're honoring the Lord. Hear that. If you're honoring the Lord, you're going to miss it. Don't set appointments. Teach your family. 
Family, there's something more uh, we're going to talk about today. Uh, there's something more important than you. All right. Amen. God. Yeah. God. Yeah. And I'm going to honor him. There's a thing that Nicole put out this week, and it said, um, pull up that thing real quick. It was good. Talking about how to raise children. You want to raise your children right? Teach them how to honor the Lord. Teach them how to honor him. You about there? I'm working on it. Thank I know. <laughs> it says, the best children's ministry program is kids watching their parents follow Jesus. Yeah. Kids watching their parents. Hey, let me tell you this, too. Sometimes you can have spiritual kids, too. People that are in your life, people that are watching you. Some of the best testimonies we have is people that watched us put Jesus first for years, and now they're born again. Now they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now they're going after it. All right, now, I want you to understand, can you feel this aggression? Yeah. <laughs> All right, now, you, you have to understand what's going on. I want to paint because some people might not know what this is about. This is me attacking that spirit that's been attacking you. Yeah. This is not me attacking you. This is me attacking that spirit, that spirit of deception, that spirit of fear. This is me attacking it. See, when I sense it in my spirit like that, I know what to do with it. I know how to come against it. It's me attacking that spirit and putting it in its place. Just like I stood up for my daughter, I'm standing up for you right now. It's not me attacking you. But listen, you got to understand, how does that spirit attack you? That spirit attacks you by trying to throw thoughts in your head, trying to get you down, try to put on a heaviness. Well, when I recognize it, a good shepherd, he carries a rod and a staff. You understand? And a, and a rod, a staff may be able to grab you by the neck and say, oh, don't fall in that hole. But there's a rod that you use the rod, the word of God, just like Moses held up the rod. Right? There was a power in that. You use the word of God and you start breaking those deceptions. Breaking it and bringing it into the truth. You start beating back the wolves that are attacking your people's lives. Amen? This is what you're seeing right here is me coming against those thoughts that he's throwing at you. Coming against that stuff. you got to understand what's going on in the spirit. It's not me attacking you. It's me attacking what's been attacking you. And, and see, here's what happens. The devil throws thoughts at you. Boom. And then when we accept those thoughts a little bit, and then the preacher gets up and he does his job and attacks those wrong deceptive thoughts, then all of a sudden, because you've accepted those thoughts a little bit, it feels like it's on you. No, it's attacking those deceptive thoughts. And our job is to let go of those and receive the promise and the freedom of the Word of God. Can you see that? All right, next Sunday, 4 p.m., Holy Spirit service. We're going to minister to the Lord. We, don't, we start that service specifically at 4 p.m. so we can go three or four hours. Why? Let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do. I don't care if we get done in an hour, great. We hadn't done it yet. But if we did, I'd be fine with it. Just as much as I'm fine with a long service, I am fine with a short service, believe it or not. The issue is that most times in a short service, we don't get past our flesh and get over into the Spirit. And if we don't get over into the Spirit, we don't get into the anointing. We don't get into the anointing. Life doesn't break, break free because the anointing breaks the yoke. Yes. And I'm teaching you some things this morning. 
I'm teaching you some things. So you have to understand, next Sunday, put it on your calendar. Don't, don't tell me, well, I didn't hear it. I, or I done looked around. I'm looking at you too, Internet. Get here. Amen. And I don't want to hear, oh, I forgot about it. Write it down right now. Grab a piece of paper. <laughs> Amy's like, let me make sure he can see. Next Sunday, 4 p.m. Oh, I made plans. Make plans for the Lord. Make him a priority in your life. Amen. You see? Now, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to say, Lord, I'm yours. The rest of this service is yours. I'm yours. And you're mine. Amen. See, I walk in, I can sense those stuff. And they picked it up in prayer, and you picked it up before prayer. It would be a challenge today. You know, we, we are there contending. There is an enemy, and he contends against you. But we have to contend back. Remember, the word says this, humble yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee. See, we've got to humble ourselves to him and his ways, and we have to resist him. Whose job is it to resist? Ours. It's our job to resist. Well, we've got to learn how to do that. We've got to learn how to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. We've got to learn how to remind the Lord of his word, of his promises, of his character, of his nature. We've got to learn how to put on praise because when we put on praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. And if we'll put on praise and then God comes into that place, what can stand in the presence of God? So we've got to learn how to do these things. Otherwise, what's going to happen? The devil just run all over you. The devil will run all over you. I'm telling you. That's why God gives us these instructions so that that won't happen. How many, how many people know of some people that have gotten run over in their life by the devil? Well, that's all of us. Every single one of us. We've gotten run over. So we've got to learn new ways to go about it. Amen? Next Sunday, 4 p.m. Corporate prayer every day, 6 a.m. and noon right here at the church. It, you, we need your supply. There will be no life groups for the rest of this month. We'll come back in January, look forward to it, get excited about it. Amen. And uh, then we're putting out some daily encouragements each, uh, each day. No, no longer than five minutes. Look for them on Facebook. Share them. They've been good. Uh, the Lord's been giving me some good stuff to do that. Um, what I try to do is I try to give you exactly what the Lord tells me to give you for that day to encourage you. All right. The Wednesday broadcast at noon and True Talk on Friday at 3 p.m. And now not this Saturday, but like 13 days from now, uh, I'll be doing a leadership teaching. It's not something that y'all have heard me do before over at Resurrection Community Church. That's at 8.30 on Saturday. You can apply it not only to church, but you can apply it to your business and your family as well. Uh, that'll be next Saturday, December 14th at 8.30 a.m. at Resurrection Community Church. And the Christmas Eve service on uh, Christmas Eve and uh, at 5 p.m. Amen. Make sure that you get ready to invite somebody. It's going to be a precious, precious time. Amen. Now, let me just tell you one of the things of why, why I had to come in and, and do that at the beginning. Because 
when the devil comes attacking like that, the, Jesus made this very plain to us in the parable of the sower. That when the sower sows the word, how many people have had the seed of the word sown into your life recently? Like you've received some good preaching and some good truths in you. But Jesus said that as soon as the word is sown, the enemy, the devil, comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Do you know how he does it? He starts throwing deceptive thoughts at you. That's what he does. He's trying to steal, to get you off track, to, to stop that momentum. If you can imagine a train starting to start up, hey, they, you throw a little bit of the seed of that coal into the oven, and that thing starts cranking. Coom, coom, coom. And then all of a sudden you throw a little bit more. Coom, 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 coom. And all of a sudden, once it builds up speed, it is hard to stop. So what he does is as soon as that, that fire starts to get stoked in you by the fire of the word of God, the enemy comes immediately and he tries to steal it. He tries to throw drama in your life. He tries to throw it. This is why you cannot, you cannot coddle drama. You can't coddle drama. Well, we need to. You can't coddle drama in your life. You can't do it. Don't you coddle it? Don't you cuddle it? Don't you teach your kids to coddle it? Don't, don't teach them that emotion and drama. Here's why. Because if it's on emotion, then your mind is set on the flesh. And the word very clearly says in Romans 8, a mind set on the flesh is death. But a mindset on the spirit is life and peace. You teach them how to stand strong in that. Uh, just the other day, uh, this may sound small, but uh, we, uh, we just felt led of the Lord to turn off Netflix in our home. I just, I, you know, if you just watched what they were putting on, they had some controversy in the, in the uh, news anyway, but... If you just watched what they were putting on, it was like I couldn't even, I couldn't let my kids just turn on Netflix. It was garbage. Even the ads, like even the ads, I was sitting there going, man, this thing has just gotten, it's fallen off the rails, which is always, if you watch it, and even watch a, a TV show, watch this. You'll go through, you'll start watching a TV show. It's good and clean to begin with. It's fun, it's entertaining. Let it go a season or two, and before long, all of a sudden, it'll just fall off the rails, and it'll be just junk. It'll be pro uh, promoting every perverse thing. The language goes up. All of a sudden, what was clean, now they got people sleeping together. Now they got, they're promoting every ungodly thing. Why? Because <clears throat> part of it is that's just the enemy's plan. He'll capture you, he'll capture you with the entertainment and then all of a sudden you'll fall into the trap of I just want to see how the story ends and while you're watching the story end, you're putting in every ungodly thing, every ungodly thought and that goes back to taking your thoughts captive. So that's how he does those things. So you cannot coddle that type of ungodliness and drama. So anyway, uh, one of the, let me give you an example of that. So when we had, uh, y'all remember the Twilight series, yeah. movies that came out, you know, the men who shined in the sunlight and uh, the, really pale, the really pale girls, y'all remember that series? <laughs> All right. 
Oh, my goodness. That was fun for me. Y'all have to understand. It was more fun than what I'm letting you see. Um, (laughs) So it was an interesting story. And I actually, this is funny, I was interested in my flesh to go watch it because it was an interesting story. It was actually some good story writing. Uh, and, but, here, believe it or not, I literally had people in, our, in my office believing that they were a vampire. And so I needed to kind of find out what in the world that movie you think, I'm not joking. See, people, they allow stuff and they don't know how to take their thoughts captive. And all of a sudden, those even, even fictions become reality to them. And they thought, they were telling me how they thought that that's what they were. And they were legitimately thinking that. And so I was like, man, what in the world is this thing teaching? And uh, so plus it was interesting as well. But I watched it. The first one was innocent enough. The second one was interesting, not quite as innocent But then you get into three and four, and all of a sudden, you've got, I'm sitting there with my wife, and I'm watching. Now, they never showed any nudity, but I'm watching the scene in, like, one of the last ones. I'm sitting there with my wife, like, turning red, like, whoo, oh, man, I got hot all over. I was like, man, I don't need to be watching this, and uh, wow, okay, all right, now, here's the thing. Think about all the parents that allowed their teenage sons and daughters to go and watch the first one because they don't understand how the enemy works. The Bible tells us that we need to not be ignorant of the devil's devices and the devil's schemes. So they let their you know, 10-year-old or 11-year-old, because every other parent's letting their kids go watch it. I mean, it's just PG-13. Right. And they let their kids go watch it. The one we watched, the one that made me, you know, flush and everything. And whoo, I mean, my wife's sitting here and we're watching it together. But I'm like, man, I'm, I'm embarrassed to be watching this in front of her. I, they never showed nudity. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. Think about this. See, as a pastor, this is immediately, as soon as I saw that scene, this is immediately, and that wasn't the only thing, immediately where my mind went. I started, I started almost immediately to tear up because I know how important thoughts are. I know how important thoughts are. I know how important thoughts are. And I know how easy it is to not take those thoughts captive. And if you don't take those thoughts captive, they will set up a stronghold in your life and they will, they will set up a blockade of the goodness of God in your mind and in your life. And then you'll be sitting there going, why is, why is this not working when I'm praying? I'm trying to go after God because you've got a blockade that you let get set up by the wrong thoughts at some point. You've got to break those things down by preaching of the truth. So here it was, and I immediately thought, what about these parents that let their 10-year-olds go watch this first movie that was innocent enough, in a sense. And then they, because they watched the first one, they had to go see what happened in the second one. I mean, Edward. And then you had to go watch the third one. And then you got to these last couple, and all of a sudden, it's spiritually a mess. And by this time, you've got young girls who are 15, 16, watching a scene you shouldn't be watching, even if you're married. 
And so now I want you to think about it. Think about the maturity, the mindset of a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old with all the hormones raging. And they just saw something they don't understand. But their flesh, what does their flesh do in that moment? Whew, I don't know what that is, but I want that. And immediately you just gave your, their flesh an appetite for something they don't even need to be thinking about don't even need to be thinking about. They gave themselves an appetite. They're, listen, the parents that didn't have the maturity to not let their child watch the first one because they don't understand the devil's devices, now at age 15, 16, now their kids are watching something and their flesh is grabbing a hold of an appetite that is completely ungodly and they don't even need to think about Because your brain is so powerful, it'll start trying to figure it out. It'll start filling in the gaps. And your brain, with flesh motivation, will start to try to cause that thing to come into being. They don't even need to be thinking about it. That's how the devil works. You have to teach yourself how to say no. You have to teach your kids how to say no. You have to teach yourself how to not think on these things. No. Can you go watch this movie? No. You know what else our kids can't go watch right now? The Transformers series. You know why? Because the first one was was innocent enough. The second one, eh. The third one, you've got these two cute kind of cute characters, but they're cussing worse than Marines used to. I mean, they're just laying out, talking, and it just got dirtier and dirtier and more vulgar. You have to understand that the devil has a way of getting into you and into your mind. He knows. He's been watching humanity for 6,000 years. You have to learn how to say no to the things of the world. The, the, the Bible tells us this. Don't even be entangled in that kind of thinking. To set your eyes on things above, not on things beneath. Because in order to walk as the overcomer, you can't be uh, meddling in all of the thinking of a fleshly world. You have to be thinking on the things above, things of the kingdom, things of truth, things of freedom, things of Jesus, things of the anointing. You You can't stay there. And so many people are having problems in areas because they've allowed their mind to go. So you, I just, I'm, I'm, scrolling through Netflix one day and I'm like, man, I've had enough. Like, I, I'm, I'm convicted looking at the little screenshot of that show. Yeah. Like, I'm convicted. Yeah. I don't need to see this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it. Like, we're turning it off. We're turning it off. And just so you know, generally, like, if we turn something off like that, uh, yeah, all right, you know, I don't know what that, maybe 12 bucks a month is what that was. All right, 12 bucks, you were going into the world, uh, now you're going into the kingdom. I immediately put it over in an offering, like, it's like taking ground for me. So that's, anyway, so I'm like, we're turning Netflix off. Well, they do have a children's Netflix, too, that is pretty, you know, it's pretty decent. But then there's some junk on there, too, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Like, you need to be really wise with some of these major kids' networks. You think the devil doesn't have devilish adults trying to run those two? Right. Man, just a few years ago, one of the networks, I won't name it, I think you can figure it out. 
one of the networks, everything, I'll say this and see if you know who I'm talking about. Every, every bit of programming instantly switched and turned to a witchcraft. Kids, kids programs. What are they doing? What's the devil trying to do? Get people and get kids to think. See, we're all created supernaturally. We have something inside of us saying, I'm created to be more. I'm created to do great and mighty things and wonders. I'm created to do this. So the devil feeds them the wrong side where God's not the source of it and God doesn't get the glory. I'll give you supernatural, but I'm not going to give it to you from God. And he, and he feeds that appetite even of the Spirit and because we don't know who we are in Christ and we're not walking in the anointing and the power of God. We're not walking in that area. All of a sudden, you know, we don't know to say no to it. This children's network, all of a sudden, every show is about witchcraft. I saw one of the, the, new, the new shows, one that used to be, you, you know, kind of a cute, a cute witch. Oh, this was no cute witch show anymore. This was straight up demonic. I've dealt with that junk. Yeah. Started to say something else. Probably not what you think I was going to say, but <laughs> junk was better. I've dealt with that mess. Yes. See, you start realizing that the spiritual world is real, you know, and, and you got to deal with a demon for four hours, multiple ones, for four hours trying to kick it out of somebody because they've been wanting to hang on to it. I saw a grown man one time. You know the communion tables? Anybody remember, you know, we don't have one here, but, but a communion table. This thing had four by four, four by four post, leg post, right? And that thing was solid oak. I saw a man grab one leg. You were there, you remember this? Grab one leg of that whole communion table at the bottom, not here, at the bottom. Grab, grab the four by four post, picked it up like this and started shaking it. I'm like... That ain't natural. <laughs> Come out. He got delivered. But see, when you start dealing with this kind of stuff, you start realizing this is not just a natural world, not just a physical world. This is a spiritual world. And the devil's playing for keeps. He's playing to steal, kill, and destroy. And we think we're doing something because we checked the box and went to church on Sunday. And, and we had a thought and we didn't take it captive. Or Jesus saved us from hell. And we think, oh, praise Jesus, is enough. This is not a game. We've got to see that. So we turned off Netflix. Well, Luke didn't like it. I said, hey, we're turning off Netflix. I announced it to the, to the house. We're turning off Netflix. And the girls, they've grown up like this. And so they're like, okay. I've taught them how to say no to their flesh. We've taught them. They were good. See, you, you need to, we're teaching maturity, not immaturity. But Luke, he's still, he's sick. He doesn't know this stuff yet. So and it was a few minutes later, all of a sudden, <laughs> what's the matter, buddy? I like Netflix. <laughs> he's trying to hold it back. He's not doing a good job. I like Netflix. I'm like, so what do you do? Now, see, most parents, oh, now I feel like it. Okay, buddy, we'll, we'll keep it on for a while. No. 
No, because if you don't teach them now, what are they going to do when they got freedom to do what they want? Well, my dad didn't let me, so now I'm going to go have, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I, when I grew up, I found out at one year, we had our leadership training, I found out one year, Nicole and I were poor. I didn't know. I knew we were like not high class, but I didn't know we were Pope. But we were Pope. And uh, we were in, and we were talking, and uh, you remember this? Yes. And everybody, everybody in the leadership was sitting there going, oh, we had these toys, and we had, I was like, my friends had those toys. I always wanted one of those toys. I always wanted one of those. And then that went on for like an hour. <laughs> and I went, dang, we were poor. <laughs> Both of us. We were poor. I'm like, man, I don't like that. But I found out that I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know, my, we didn't hardly ever have Coke in the house. I really like Coke. And so when I got 18 and I had some money, and those were two separate things, (laughs) I could go buy Coke for myself anytime I want to. And so what I do? I went and bought me some Coke. Well, progress. 10 or 20 years down the road, and I find out, you know, having a Coke all the time, it ain't, it ain't that good for you. So just because I could doesn't mean I should. So I've got to teach Luke. Why do we do these things? Why do we turn Netflix off? I know it's hurting your feeling, but what's hurting his feelings right now is his appetite for fleshly things. Because, see, if his appetite is for godly things, immediately he would be... So I've got to teach him, hear this, how to think. How to think according to that word. I've got to teach him how to think according to that word. Listen, buddy, there's some people that are behind this that think that this kind of programming is okay. But if you go read in this Bible what Jesus says is okay, it is not okay. Now, who is our Lord in this house? Jesus is the Lord of this house. And if he's the Lord of this house, then he's the director of this house. That means that we don't do what we want to do or what we like in our flesh. We do what he says because he's the Lord. He's the director. And so I started teaching him how to think. And he, you know, he cried again the next day because he's six. Now, see, that's when most of y'all parents would have been like, oh, okay, we'll keep it on. No. No. See, y'all smiling at me. You don't don't look up here. I'll know. I'll know. Everybody's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) No, you got to teach them, hey, no, we make a stand for righteousness. We make a stand for holiness. We make a stand for the things of God. We make a stand for what he tells us to do in this word. We make a stand for it. We make it a priority. We make it a priority. Like next Sunday at 4 p.m. That was a great moment. We make a stand for it. We tell our flesh, no. Submit the flesh. That's our job. When we're born again, the spirit is completely renewed, made in the righteousness of God. Our mind needs to be renewed to the word. We have to learn how we thought, uh, what was wrong about it, what was right about it, and think only the right thoughts. We have to get in this word and find some stuff. And, uh, but then we submit the flesh. 
You know, I've been reading the next, let's see. Next September, October, December, something like that. So about a year from now, I will have been born again for 40 years. 40 years. I'm not 60. I'll be 47 next year, 46 right now. But I will have been born again since I was seven for 40 years. I've been studying this word for 40 years. I know a few things that's in there. I've learned a few things. But I've just been, recently I've had a hunger for the word and just been reading. I was reading some to Nicole yesterday, just in Psalms. Been reading a good bit in Acts. And man, every time I'm reading it, I'm just seeing new stuff in there. Because you are not going to exhaust God. But what that also tells me is my thinking was not where it should be. If I just learned something new, I've still got room to grow. None of us have exhausted God. He's a big God. He's a big, big God. Is this helping anybody? You getting something out of it? You learning how to think and how to beat back the devil when he attacks your mind and your thoughts? Amen. It, it is okay to say amen. It's okay to say yes and no. It's okay to say hallelujah. I don't even care if the Holy Ghost hits you and you run around the room a couple of times. You run around the building a couple of times. I don't matter. One night uh, we were having a meeting and Paul, the Holy Ghost hit him. He went to running and uh, I forget exactly the situation, but it looked kind of like this. From here over was nothing but bodies, and they were shoulder to shoulder, and he was coming down off the platform running, and I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. And uh, I don't remember exactly what he did, but he hit this chair, and then he hit the back of it, and I was like, uh-oh, because there was people right here in the seat, and he was running, and the Holy Ghost, I was like, if he don't hurt something, it's got to be God. It's got to be the Holy Ghost. And that was, well... People, uh, the Holy Ghost will cause you to run like that. Yeah, he will. <laughs> he will. Man, the first time, I, I can remember the first time I saw somebody uh, run, and I didn't know what to think about, but here's what I felt. I saw him take off. Man, the anointing on that thing hit me. Boom. I was like, golly, I didn't even know that stuff was like that, that in that way. The anointing of that, when they took off, boom, all of a sudden the anointing hit me. There's so much in the Lord we have to learn. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, concerning spirituals, I would not have you ignorant. We need to grow up. We need to hunger for the things of God. We need to hunger for the things of God. We need to learn some things. Why? Because there's a world that's waiting on us to bring the light to them. There's a world that's waiting on us to be the salt, to be the preservant. There's a world that's waiting. You are the linchpin. You're the linchpin. But if the devil just keeps running all over you and steamrolling you, we we just crumble like the rest of the world. We've got to learn how to stand up. We've got to learn how to say no to our flesh. We've got to teach our kids how to think and how to say no. I'm not teaching teaching our daughters just just don't do this and do this uh, just because it says to. That's by the law. I'm teaching them to have a heart out of pure love. I want to do this because I love God. 
Not because it's a do this, don't do that, yes or no. Not because it's the law. I'm teaching because I, I want them to know the truth of what Jesus said in his word. That there's a royal law of love. And the law of love written on your heart, love for the things of the Father, it will set you free and keep you on top and it will take you from victory to victory. But you've got to learn to walk in that love. And love is this. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. In other words, when I write Write something on your heart or I convict you of something. You do what I'm asking you to do. You do what I'm asking you to do. And you'll find that if you will keep yourself open to the Holy Ghost and keep your conscience open to Him, He'll show you exactly what to do, where to do, what to, uh, where to be, how to do it. He'll show you exactly. But we've got to learn how to get open to him so that our conscience isn't seared. If our conscience is seared, it's like all of the feeling goes out of our hand. But see, every time we tell him yes, and every time he says, don't watch that, and we say, okay, what we're doing is we're keeping that communication pathway. We're keeping that quote, sort of nervous system with God open and flowing. And so then when you're facing really big danger, it's open so that you hear, don't go to work today. Don't go do this today. Uh, go here now and you lead somebody to the Lord. Don't go to work on 9-11 and, and you're not in the towers. You see, you hear that. You know how many people heard that that day? That was the mercy of God because I can promise you not everybody's listening that well. That was just the mercy of God for all the people that didn't go. There's tons of people that were supposed to be in that. Thousands upon thousands more that should have been in that tower that day. Thousands. The Lord, the Lord was speaking. Now some, sometimes people don't hear stuff. We're paying attention to other things. We don't want to be those people. We want those communications. And I can, you know what? I've missed it before. God's been trying to get my attention. I just stepped right past what he was trying to say and stepped myself right into it, right into problems. One day I was at our house. I'm just telling you how to win today and how to have some victory and how to take these thoughts captive and how to make him. You do it by making him Lord. One day we were in our, the ugly house, if you remember that story. And uh, we were in the ugly house, and I'd been outside working, working, working hard. And I came inside, and I opened up the refrigerator, and I, it was, I had just worked hard. I needed something to replenish me. And uh, many times there wasn't a lot in that refrigerator, but today there was some orange juice. And I went, ah! Oh! And man, have you ever looked and seen something like that, and you could just taste it? It was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And, and as I went to reach for it, I felt the Holy Ghost say, don't drink that. And I just said, yeah. <laughs> and I grabbed it, and I opened it up, and I just took a big old gulp of it, and it was bad. And I was like, in the, in the sink and everything. But it was too late. I done got some in my stomach. It was gross. The Holy Ghost tried to stop me. But here's what I thought. How many times has he tried to stop me? I didn't hear him or I didn't listen. Don't invest in that. And I did it anyway because I was lusting for money. Don't keep that subscription on. But I did it anyway because I liked the programming. And I was paying attention more to my flesh than something else. Don't put that in your eyes and ears because as soon as it goes in, now you've got to spend energy to deal with it. Why? 
Why? He, the word says this, you know, set aside the, in, the sin that so easily besets us. Cut the weights off. In other words, he's saying run with efficiency. Run without grabbing a hold of the things that will slow you down. Run with the things. I mean, if I ask you right now to go out and run a 10-mile race and you feel, felt like you actually could and signed up and believed me and went to go try it, would you put on a 50-pound vest before you ran it? My goodness, I'm already running 10 miles. I'm not going to put on another 50 pounds or carry something extra with me. But yet we have done it with sin how many times? Oh, don't drink that bad programming. Ah, but I want it. It looks so good to me right now. I can tell I'm all up in all of our business this morning. <laughs> All up in all of our business. Mine too. I'm telling, I'm telling on me. Let me tell you, one time I was sitting at home. I had, uh, man, I just had a week. I was tired. You know, when you get tired, even if it's for good things, you have to watch that. You have to be mindful of it, be wise about it. I'm tired. I've been working hard, doing good things for the kingdom, for God. I'm tired. Saturday, surprisingly, I don't have anywhere to go, which is a rarity. Don't have work to do somewhere with somebody doing something. It's a rarity. I was able to lay in bed. It was in the morning. I was enjoying myself. Hear this, this thought. You deserve this. You deserve this rest. You deserve this time. I do deserve this. I've been working hard. I didn't check it. I know better. I didn't check it. I'm going to turn on the TV. That's a mistake. That was for me that day. He didn't want me to. I wasn't listening. All of a sudden, there's a program. Very interesting. Right up stuff that I'm interested in, some technology stuff, stuff like that. But I could tell just by looking, it's not a good show. But I'm resting. I've been doing a lot of hard work. I'm going to watch it because it interests my flesh. Opened up a door, a wrong door. It took me months to get over that. It took me months to get over it. Opened up troubles and trials. And now I'm sitting there going, you know, thinking back, I'm thinking, golly. It took, it, I mean, it took some diligence to come out of that, come back out that door and close it back and shut it. it took diligence. It was the wrong stuff. Wrong stuff. Violence. Bunch of junk on there. Stuff I just didn't need to put in. Was it the most horrible thing I've ever seen? No. Here's the bigger thing. It's not what I saw. It's that I crossed what the Holy Ghost was telling me to do. I crossed it. And when I crossed it, it opened up a bigger door in my heart. And that was the bigger issue there. We've got to learn how to say 
no to the flesh, and yes to God. And even in our thoughts, even in our thoughts, we have to learn how to take them captive. We have to learn how to say, all right, and you know, I don't feel like praising today. Too bad, body, you're praising. I don't feel like saying amen. Too bad, you're going to say it. I don't feel like standing on the word today. I'm tired. Too bad, I'm going to stand on the word. I don't feel, I kind of, this coat of heaviness, I don't really like it, but I get attention when I wear it. The heaviness and depression. <laughs> Amy. <laughs> Amy went. <laughs> I don't really, I like, I don't really like the coat, but I like, because people will pity me. They'll give me attention. Listen, it's much better freedom in Jesus. It's much better. We've got to learn how to take those thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. Amen. Amen. So obviously, well, not necessarily obviously, because I mean, I'm crazy enough, I might just go right into the message, but we're not going to. I hear the nonverbal sighs of relief right now. I hear it. I, 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 I was just saying I hear it in the spirit. <laughs> but I like you bless me right there. You bless me. We're gonna take the offering and then we'll uh, we'll finish up today. See, this is family. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is real. This is needed. This is church. You just got a very real example of what church is. Even though I've got a really good message, I'm really excited to tell you about it. This was the message that was needed today. Would anybody agree? Yeah, look around. You see? So funny. All right. Change gears. All right. How many people, you're tired of not having enough in your finances? It's time to go to a different place. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Amen means so be it. I'm ready to go to a different level. I was just checking. So be it. Amen. (laughs) I'm going to teach you at least this week and next week in the offering. I'm I'm going to teach you how to do that very quickly. Not complicated. Not complicated. But I'm going to show you what to do. And you will, if you'll apply this, you will go to a different level. You know how I can say that with confidence? Because it's his word and it's his promises. So now I want you to see this. All right? Go to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. If you're giving today, you can make checks out the Boomerang Church, or if you give online, let me just say this. If you, if you, you always give by like a card or a debit card on the envelope, it's actually more secure if you go online, and it's a lot easier as well. 
And uh, so you can go to givebc.org. When you set up the Tidely app, or even if you don't, you just go to the, to the webpage, it's actually easier. We would rather you go there than to write it on the envelope because that adds a, a security thing. So it's better to go there uh, if you can, okay? All right, so, but here's the thing. As we give, what I want you to understand is that when we open ourselves up, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and uh, I think it was yesterday, and I said, I said, what we have to understand is that when God asks us to give, he's not asking us how much we have. He's asking us. So if, in other words, here, here's what I have an understanding of and that we need to get an understanding of if, if you've never gotten it before. If he asks you to give a million dollars, let's put it, let's put it, Lower. If he asked you to give $10,000, but you only have $1,000 in the account, most people would just go, Lord, I can't give that. And they would shut the thought down. So what we're on is back to our thoughts again. But they don't realize that life is in the word. And so when he asks you to give it, he's literally opened up the door for you to walk in by faith, get $10,000 and walk out with $10,000 or more. But most people, because they'll say, well, I don't have it right now, they'll just shut the door. They'll just shut the door. And they, they stop the thinking right there. And that's where, that's where they never get into the supernatural of God. But like if this is the doorway and, and he said, hey, I want you to give a million dollars, then you say, oh, you want me to give it? Then obviously, if you're telling me to give that, then you are opening up the door for me to get it. I might not have it now, but I can have, and the Lord says this, he says, you don't muzzle the ox that's treading the grain. In other words, if he's going to flow a million dollars, or let, let's make it lower, if he's going to flow $10,000 through me, he's not generally just going to give me the 10 even. There's always an overflow. There's always an overflow. So, you know, if he's going to give me 10, he'll probably give me 15. That means there's 10 to give and 15 that's yours, or five that's yours. That's how he works. He's, he's an excessive God. Do you remember? Throw the nets on the other side. What happens? They, they pull up the nets. There's so much. The nets can't even hold them. There was more for them to have. But just because they were in partnership, their partners were now blessed to the point where their boat was sinking as well. God's an excessive God. I heard Keith Moore say, did you know that there are tons and tons of bananas on jungle floors that never get eaten. Didn't God know how many bananas to make for the monkeys? <laughs> Didn't God know? But he's an excessive God. Yeah. Now, he also said in the same message, couldn't he have made just, you know, two shades of color? But he gave us the whole rainbow and all the colors in between. God's an excessive God. Didn't he know how many fish the net would hold? How many fish the boat would hold? It wasn't God's fault that their understanding of the promise maker and keeper wasn't big enough. Glory to God, I'm preaching now. It's not, it's not God's fault that our thinking is so small. 
So what we've got to do is we've got to come up to his level of thinking. Again, that's setting our eyes on things above, not on things beneath. I'm, te I'm teaching you by the word how to raise your thinking up to these levels. We've got to understand. So if he says, hey, give this, then what we've got to understand is he's going to give us a vehicle and, and he's going to provide the doorway and opportunity. We have to provide the faith and action. Man, the Lord, he just... You know what? Sometimes that faith in action looks like this. Glory to God! Father, I receive it! I praise you! Sometimes that's the action right there in itself. Because when you praise Him, He inhabits you. He brings in His presence. All of a sudden, the favor of God's all over your business or all over your stuff. Amen. Sometimes it's literally Amen. doing that. But we don't get that because that's not worldly thinking. That's heavenly thinking. He's teaching us how not to think like the world, but to think like heaven. You don't belong to this kingdom. You, you're here, but you're not of it. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You operate by a different set of kingdom laws. And the same thing applies in our finances. So many times, as soon as you say offering, everybody goes, Now They don't do that out loud because everybody would look at them, but in their inside, that's what they're doing. Instead of, praise God! Because they know if it's offering time, here's an opportunity, here's a door to walk through. And I don't have to always give the most. I just have to be obedient. Obedient to the widow was two mites. Obedient to you might look different. The biggest offering I ever gave, one penny. I remember it to this day. It's all I had. That day, it's all I had. One offering that, that broke everything loose. Several offerings that just took me to another level. One of them was... When I actually turned off Netflix back originally when it was $20 and I took that $20 and I immediately sowed it into the kingdom. That $20 has now multiplied, multiplied, multiplied a lot more than $20. A lot more than $20. Every month, every month. Started with $20 a month. God bless you. There, there's a story I heard of recently. A lady, all she could give, uh, I think was, I think it started out, well, I won't tell it, uh, because I've heard it a couple of times recently. I'll give you the basis of it, but I'm telling you that I'm probably not remembering all the details of it, so it could be a little bit different. But basically, she gave something like a penny a day. That was her beginning offering. In the end, she got given so much stuff, even she got given a house and a condo, she was given hundreds and thousands of dollars each year. Started with a penny a day. That's all she had. But she took the message and she applied it. Then she, another person at the same time heard the message, said, that's crazy, and they ended up broke. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm open to do it your way. Your way. So now look at this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says this. This book of the law, or talking about this word, shall not depart from your thinking. You're thinking. This book of the law should not depart from your excitement on the inside. It's not what it says, is it? I'm supposed to speak this book of the law. It's supposed to be in my mouth. Amen. 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 We're supposed to be 
responding with corresponding action according to faith. And that means that we, it doesn't mean that you have to be loud all the time. It just means that I'm ready and I know when to open my mouth and say something. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, that word meditate right there, in the original Hebrew language, it doesn't mean to think on it all the time, although that is what happens at the end of this. That word right there literally means to mutter. This book of the law, I should be confessing all day and all night. I should be muttering it. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm, I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the bar. I, God is always leading me to triumph in Christ. We have confessions uh, that we say each day. I've changed them a little bit, added to them. But let me just read these. Every day, anytime it hits, like if, if I see on a clock, just to remind me, if I see on a clock like 111 or 1212 or something like that, I go to these confessions. And, and I say it. We walk in the full manifestation of our inheritance in Christ. We are out of debt, too. We are out of debt and carry a debt-canceling anointing, and we flow in supernatural abundance for every good work. Three, we have divine health in our bodies now, and we carry an anointing for supernatural healing. Four, every weapon formed against us is exposed, will not prosper, and is destroyed. Five, we love righteousness, hate sin, walk in holiness, and are anointed by God. Six, we keep increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Seven, and the struggle is over. Amen. So when you see these things, you start meditating. Now, I just switched some around so I don't have it all memorized yet because I've added some. I wanted to be more uh, comprehensive in my confessions. But this literally says, meditate on the word. Keep this word of the law, this book of law, in your mouth. And meditate or murmur it, confess it. If you go look at those confessions that I just read you, you'll see they're all tied to exact scripture. That, that scripture, I just condensed it in today's English to confess it in that way. It's all scripture. I can give you every one of the scriptures that back up those confessions. And when you start to meditate on this word, keep it in your mouth, meditate on it day and night, what happens so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then God will make your way prosperous. Is that what it says? Who will make your way prosperous? See, if I'll do this, then I'll walk in the prosperity. Now, not, prosperity is not just financial. Prosperity is being prosperous in all things. That your mind is prosperous, your soul is prosperous, your, your emotions are prosperous, right? Your family is prosperous. It's not just financial, but it is financial as well. He says, if this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth and you shall meditate on it day and night, uh, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. Yeah. 
Many people are missing out on success because they're not meditating, they're not confessing the word, they're just sitting silent waiting for God to do it all. They're putting their responsibility of faith up on a shelf and they're not putting on the praise, they're not putting on the confession, they're not putting on the worship. They're just walking like God's going to do it all. He's already done it all and he's empowered us to walk it out. Faith will walk it out. Faith will walk it out. So see, we can sit here every Sunday and be like, well, I'll I'll go give some offering when God gives me some. You're sitting on your couch waiting for God to do it all. If you won't give it when you got a penny, you're not going to give it when you got a hundred million. Somebody's grabbing a hold of the hundred million. You realize that's out there. A hundred million is small thinking to God. It's small thinking to God. It might be big thinking to you. Big thinking to us, but it's small thinking to God. Small thinking. Small thinking. You think God created the universe. Small thinking to God. Small thinking. I could prove that. That's not what we're here to do. I want, you need to understand, it's small thinking to God. Then he says this. He said, then you will make your way successful. Go to uh, John 8, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I think John and Rachel are watching. They visited with us this week. They're watching. uh, the. So, hey, John and Rachel, I know you're out of town. You're supposed to be watching today. This is not the message I was going to preach. Amen. But I hope you are blessed. John 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If, say that with me, If, if, you continue in my word. If, so many people, you'll finish this statement. The truth will... But you realize this is what's coming next. Listen, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, will set you free. But see, the truth doesn't set you free if you don't know the truth and you won't know the truth unless you continue in his word. That's good. Truth will set you free as you know the truth and the truth won't set, you won't know the truth unless you continue in his word. What did he tell Joshua? If you will meditate on this word, if you will keep this word and not let it depart from your mouth, but will meditate on it, murmur it, confess it, stay in the word. If you're constantly murmuring the word or confessing the word, you're going to be thinking on it. So you will be meditating on it, but that word literally means confess it. In other words, you continue in his word, then you will know the truth, the truth will make you free. The truth will make you prosperous. The truth will make you successful. It's out of the spirit and out of the anointing. It's God who gives us the power to get wealth, not just your good ideas, not just the the logical ideas. It's God who opens it up. So when you hear this truth preached like this, what happens is it's like this truth is sitting there and as it's preached, the anointing that's with it, it comes into you, boom, it opens up your spirit. Your spirit then brings some truth to your mind and then if you'll do those things, you'll make your way successful and prosperous. 
But we've got to hear from the Lord. We've got to hear these things. All right? So then we go over into Leviticus 27.30. Leviticus 27.30. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Now I'm just messing with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to learn how to respond. Leviticus 27.30 says this. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Is the tithe ours? Whose is it? It's the Lord's. Do we have a right to the tithe? No. Because it's His. It's not ours. It's His. It's not ours. Now, is this Bible? Now, see, if we will continue in the Word, then we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free if we'll start to walk in it. If we'll continue in His Word, it'll make us successful, it'll make us prosperous. So what have we just learned? The tithe is not ours. Well, that was done away with, with the law. The tithe was existent before the law. And the New Testament says he still receives tithes to this day. And Jesus said this, that you tithe off of this, and that is good. It's not just an Old Testament thing. No, the tithe is eternal in this way. He says the tithe is the Lord's. Then he also goes on to the next next, uh, word, say this, the tithe is holy. Holy. How many of y'all know you don't want to be messing around with things that are holy? You don't mess around with that. So a lot of times we've messed around with things that are holy. And that's when we've messed up. It's the Lord's. Now, what is the tithe? The tithe, by definition, means this. A tenth. A tithe means a tenth. And when we go into the Word, it teaches us that the tithe is one-tenth of our increase. One-tenth of our increase. So let's just say that I make $100,000 this year. Then the tithe would be what? $10,000, right? If I made $100,000, then a tenth would be $10,000. And the Bible teaches us that that $10,000 is not mine. It's the Lord's. And it's holy. Now if I go touch and grab a hold of a holy thing and I try to bring it over into my corruption and my corrupted world... That don't go well. It's the Lord's. And it's holy. And and I just robbed it. See, when something is the Lord's, I I have one thing that I can do with it. I can either let him have it and because it's his and not take it from him or I can steal it. That's the only options. I don't get to choose whether or not I give it or not. It's not mine to give. It's his. I'm just returning it. It's his. 10%. That's the tithe. Can you see what happens when people start messing with the tithe and they think that that's their money? Well, I earned it, really. Who put the breath in your body? Who gave you the ability to think? 
Who gave you the job? Who gave you the favor? Who gives you the customers? Who gives you the skill? Who, who, where does every good and perfect gift come from? Without Him, you ain't got nothing on your own. It's His. He said it. It's His. Are we going to make Him Lord or not? It's His. We can't, we can't argue that. Either we believe the Bible or we call the Bible false and we call it a liar. I'm not doing that. You have a right to do that. You'd be wrong, but you have a right to. So if it's his and he's my Lord, then I've got to say, hey, this tithe is yours. And let me just give you this. There's a verse over in the New Testament that says it's Corban. In the King James, it would say it's Corban. Uh, Nicole and I wrongly uh, utilized that verse at one time. That word says, how can, you know, like if my mom or dad come and said, hey, I need some help. And then I said, no, you can't have this. It is given to the Lord. It's set aside for the Lord. It says, if I don't give it to uh, my parents, then I'm in disobedience. I'm in sin, right? It basically is what it's laying out. And so Corban meant given to the Lord. And so I used to say, and what we did is we actually got out of debt at one point, and uh, we were doing good, and uh, all of a sudden we got kind of in a jam, and I said, you know, the Bible basically teaches us that if I have money and I say this is for the Lord, and I don't give it to the person who's in need, then I'm messing up. And I said, we're in need. We don't need to give this to the church that's set aside for the Lord. And so we stopped tithing. <laughs> Somebody went, hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. What, guess what happened to our finances? Guess what happened to the debt? Came right back. Why? Because we touched what was God's. We touched what was holy. I had misinterpreted that verse. I should have reached out and asked my pastor a question, but I didn't. Certainly he would have known better than I did at the moment. <laughs> Stupid. We were dumb. I know y'all never been there, but we were at that one point. I'm just telling you so you don't have to ever be there again. Yeah. Again. All right. So what we did was the Lord said this. He came back. I was like, Lord, what's going on with our finances? We're in the jam. And he referred back to that verse and he asked me this question. He said, who decided where it should go in that verse? I said, we decided. He said, the tithe is not yours to decide. That verse is not about the tithe. That's about the offering. So I had, I had applied an offering verse to the tithe and that's how we got messed up. He said that in that verse, you get to choose where it goes. You've decided that it's for the Lord when you could decide it's for your parents. That was the mistake. He said, but with the tithe, you don't decide. It's already set. He said, you decided. You touched what was holy. You touched that. He said, it doesn't work out right. It goes contrary to my law, and that's how you got messed up. He said, the tithe is the Lord's. The tithe is holy. Go to Malachi now. I'm heading somewhere. Are you following with me? Yeah. I'm teaching you how to go up. And it's got to do with your tithes and your offerings. He says, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. And let me just tell you this. 
the Lord, I believe, spoke to me this week and said to teach you this very clearly about the basis of the tithe and the offering. Because if you don't understand this, you'll do similar to what Nicole and I did and just mess up. And you won't see the fullness that God has for you. But if you'll say, all right, if I will meditate on the ways of the Lord and I will do what he tells me to do, I will, I will perform his word. I'll, I'll be set free through the truth of what I'm performing. He says, my man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm giving you the word on this so that you won't be in a jam. And it's the funniest thing to hear the testimonies of people say, golly, we couldn't survive on 100% of our income. But then all of a sudden we started tithing and somehow we had overflow out of the 90% while the 10% went to the Lord. I've seen it time and time and time again. It's the weirdest thing. You know why? Because it's supernatural. Because it's the kingdom of God and you're in that kingdom. See, when you're thinking that I can't survive if I don't utilize all 100%, you're thinking in terms of the world. You're thinking in a worldly way, in a worldly system, instead of thinking in a supernatural system. So now look at this, Malachi 3.8. Most of us have heard it. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Now you can see very clearly how that can be with the other scripture. When the tithe is the Lord's and the tithe is holy, you can see. But he doesn't just stop at the tithe. He says this. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. Now let me just tell you. The tithe is how much of your increase? 10%. 10%. You don't get to offerings until you go over the 10%. And hear this, in the tithe, it does one thing for you, which is the basis and foundation, but the offering over and above the 10%, it does something else. And let me tell you, you want to get into offerings because that's where the abundance flows. That's where the multiplication comes. Many people don't flow in abundance and they overflow because they've not handled the tithe and they've not begun to give in love. All right, but you want to get an offering, but you can't give. You know, well, this year I'm tithing seven percent. No, you're not. You're still in three percent. That's all there is to do. The ten percent is God's. If you're not tithing ten, well, I'm going to tithe ten percent. I'm going to tithe seven percent, and I'm going to give you know eight percent in offering. It doesn't work that way. You're going to tithe 10%, 10%. That's of your increase, 10%. If you have the remaining 8%, it would leave 5% as offerings. You see, it's 10% is the tithe, and you don't get to offerings until you have returned to God the tithe. That's the only way that it works, you see. All right, so he says, you've, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. In other words, now I want you to see this. God is saying right here that he's already spoken what the tithe is, but he's also written it on our heart what the offering is. He's written it on our heart what the offering is, and when he's written that on our heart and we've not given that, he's saying, you're robbing that from me too. Now why is he bringing this up? Because his people are in bondage for a lack of knowledge and they're they're in bondage in captivity for a lack of understanding. He's telling them this because they don't realize what's actually going on. He's got abundance waiting on them if they'll wake up to what they're holding back from God. He can get them into the abundance. Anybody want to move into the abundance? All right. So then he says this. Verse 9. 
For you are cursed with a curse, and you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. In other words, they have placed themselves into a curse. They have placed themselves in there by touching the thing that's holy. By touching the thing that's holy, the things that's the Lord. Then he says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So the storehouse is where? The storehouse is what, where people are fed out of. What did we do during Boomfest? We fed the community. We, we gave to the community. That's the storehouse. Generally, the storehouse is the place where you get fed, the place where God has planted you, the place that's designed to help be a hands-on into the community. That's the church. And he says this, So that there may be food in my house, in my house, And test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, your vine will be in full fruitfulness and not cast it to the ground. Now I want you to see this. Have you ever seen anybody tithe? I know we've tithed. Have you ever just been like, all right, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Right? And so anybody ever been waiting besides me? If you've been tithing, a lot of times people are waiting on that. And they're like, when's it coming? When's it coming? But I want you to answer this question for me. What's a window for? Do you open up a window and like, you know, throw all your stuff out there? No, you open up a window and what do you do through a window? You look. He gives you vision. He shows you the opportunity. He shows you the thing that you must apply faith to. He's got a whole blessing that he will overflow onto you, but these are the opportunities. Let me, let me give it to you. Here you go. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. Remember the parable of the sower? Remember the parable of the sower? The sower sows the word. He sows the seed. Immediately, the devil comes to devour the seed. What happens is, when you start to be a tither, you'll be sitting in services like this, and the anointing, somebody will be preaching, he'll be preaching about tithes and offerings, he'll be preaching about healing. All of a sudden, the anointing will drop in you the seed of an anointed word. Hey, I want you to go do this. Here's your opportunity. Here's your next business. Here's here's how you're going to have favor. Here's what you put in that marketing clip. Here's what you do this. He'll start to give you vision. I can't tell you how many times I've been in when I go see like the men of God that God's put me with. I'm sitting in there. They're talking about something. They're talking about anything, preaching on anything. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts talking to me. And he says, here's your vision for 2020. Here's your vision for the next five years. Here's, what, here, here's where, that's how I got our vision that we're living with now. A house of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. You know where I got that? Sitting in a message, not listening to a message on that. It was a message on something else. But while I was in there, the Lord, out of the anointing, dropped vision and a word into my spirit. And that thing then produced life inside of me. He says, look, 
When you become a tither, I won't let the devil steal the vision from you. I won't let the devil steal the seed of the word. I won't let the devil steal the opportunity from you. But that doesn't mean that it's all just going to appear on your front porch. That means I've got to take that vision and I've got to meditate on it day and night. Keep it in my heart. Speak it in my mouth. When it's the right time, i got to step into it by faith. Faith without works is dead. I've got to step into that thing. In other words, God will keep the doorways open for you to step through. And he'll give you the grace and empowerment to step through it. But those, it's vision for you. And then what he'll do is when that vision is in place, he's not going to let the devil always be stealing it. He'll rebuke the devourer. But what the devil really devours is the seed of the word. The seed of the word. The seed of the word. And so when you see this, you start to realize when I start tithing, God starts opening up vision. He opens up vision to me. I can see things how they really are. I can see what I'm supposed to do. Most people are going around in their life and they're just doing what the world has taught them to do. But there's no supernatural vision in them because the devil's either stole it or they've never even seen it because they're not sitting in a place where the anointing is given it and they've not been tithers to get the vision, to have the windows open or the devil has stolen it when it was there. But when we'll tithe, all of a sudden, all this will happen. Now, that vision is the beginnings of what we'll talk about next week, which is the abundance. Because then it says, God will give seed to the sower. And the offering is what we sow. And that's where abundance comes, but it's different from the tithe.